Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. service anymore, John, so I don't go around shooting people in the head. I'm not asking you to kill anyone. I just need you to get me to him. To who? Your old boss. You want to kill Barada? I'm not going to kill him. I just need to talk. What could he possibly give to you? Guidance. Look, I made a deal when I agreed to run this hotel. And that deal said that I had to follow the rules of the table. If you're not gonna kill him, he is gonna kill you. And then probably me too for walking you up in there. Welcome to Dollar Cinema, your monthly movie podcast where we cover films that we have typically never seen or specifically notable and weird, funny or strange ways, or it's John Wick and we have our returning guest. I am your host, Josh Borboni, and joining me, as always, is the one and only Kyle Hyman. Kyle, how are you doing? I am wonderful and very excited to be talking about this movie with the two of you. Hey, me too. But, of course, you, the two of us, includes our very special returning guest, our John Wick expert himself, Mr. Kevin Austin, is joining us. Kevin, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I thought that he might have frozen, and it looks like he has frozen. <laughs> no, no, I was just hitting mute. You're actually frozen on my camera, oh, so I don't understand what's going on. Um, I'm good. Uh, I'm just confused as how I'm the John Wick expert when I hadn't seen any of them before we started doing this. But, you know, I guess by the third one, I'm well, an expert. Now you're the John yeah, Wick okay. expert. Yeah, okay, that works. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, <laughs> so how are you doing this fine evening, sir? I am doing all right. I'm ex- Mr. COVID himself. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, still bouncing back from COVID, so hopefully I don't cough too much and have to mute and then be unable to mute myself like I just did. Um, you know, so <laughs> all is good. Happy to be on the mic. Happy to be talking to you guys. You guys get me to watch movies, so it's always a good time. Good. We're glad to have you. Also, the, informally and officially, this is our official first free episode to all who want to listen. Uh, so welcome all of our new listeners. Kyle, I, they can read, but why don't you tell them, uh, if they can't, what movie did we watch? So we are watching, or watched, John Wick 3 Parabellum. Uh, so if you are a new listener and missed the first two episodes, I maybe we'll figure out a way for you to be able to listen to those episodes <laughs> too. But hey, welcome, us for the, welcome to the third installment in the John Wick series. We hope you enjoy it. Just just wait until we do Fast. Yeah, just wait until we do F9 and they got to re-upload all the other eight episodes of Fast and Furious, Josh and I did. Yeah, so. did we put those? Are those available? Nope. <laughs> they were all on Patreon. That, like, okay. So we'll have to work on that too because we got to so, watch. I still haven't watched right. it. I own it. I haven't watched it, but you know. 
I haven't watched it either. So I'll, I'll, we'll talk to Donnie and see if, if there's a way for us to get some of those uh, backlogged episodes. I'm sure we to, can. Yeah, we'll figure our, out something. Our regular subscribers. Okay, so I still have housekeeping on here, Kyle, but I can just go ahead and delete that. <laughs> well, the one piece of housekeeping I will give, though, is that you know okay. in the past, this was the point where I would thank the patrons for everything they had done to help make this yes. happen. I don't have to do that anymore because you get to listen to this for free, which is awesome. But what I will say is if this is your first time, you know, listening to or experiencing Dollar Cinema, I just want to get out of the way of that. This is very different than most other movie podcasts. (laughs) There is no spoiler free section. Right. We are going to talk in detail about the movie starting from basically go. So you really do want to have seen John Wick 3 Parabellum or not care at all about spoilers because we are basically going to go through every single thing that happens in this film. Mm-hmm. Facts. Good point. Good point. So we do. This is a, the podcast that flies by the seat of its pants. Yeah, as I'm sure you guys can tell just by the intro. <laughs> so expect that to change every week. Exactly. <laughs> every <right>? month. <laughs> so yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, pause it, go watch it, and then come back and listen to us. So you you get all of our jokes. Otherwise, it's going to be kind of. Oh yeah, that would be weird yeah. if you were listening to this and didn't watch the yeah. movie. But no judgment. I mean, you do you. If that's what you want to do and be weird, uh, we, we embrace that. Uh, speaking of weird, Kevin, why, <laughs> why don't you hit us with some Yes, cast? absolutely. So directing <laughs> is uh, Chad Stileski. I think that's how you say his name. Uh, starring, of course, Keanu Reeves as John Wick. Uh, first appearance, Halle Berry as Sophia. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne returns yet again as the Bowery King. Uh, Mark DeCoxas? I don't know how you say that. The Coscus as zero. The Iron Chef. Yeah, we'll get to that. I have yeah, lots of chairman. comments about that because yeah, <laughs> uh, and Angelica Houston as the director. Yes, uh, Kyle. So, well, real quick, interesting yeah. thing as we were talking about, like you know that uh, that Mark is you know the chairman of the Iron Chef. Uh, yep. You know, in what we know so far, or having watched these John Wick movies, how do we feel about? Um, Chad Stilisky, or however exactly you say his last name, being attached to directing Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, I'm, I I think he's a perfect fit for that, based off of his uh, directing pedigree. It, I yeah, I'm excited. I'm optimistic. I have some. I hope maybe, and I was going to say this for further in the podcast, but it might make more sense here too. Is the special effects not practical effects, but the special effects? A lot of the CGI stuff we see was really bad in this one for me, like really bad. So I'm hoping maybe with the bigger budget or the different, you know, studio or people he's working with for Ghost of Tsushima, it'll be better. I want it to be better. Like that's my only qualm. Action wise, direction wise, cinematography wise. Okay. With everything, just the special effects on this one were a little rough for me. Well, my guess will be uh, that this budget is uh, considering this film. We'll get to it at the end is very, very, very low. Um, so I would imagine Ghost of Tsushima is probably f- five times the budget of this movie. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> so I'm sure we'll get better um, um, special effects. I, th- I thought it was fine. There was definitely s- some um, things that were glaring, but yeah. uh, a lot. Of, there's still a lot of practical effects yes, in this absolutely. film, which were very good. Um, and I guess since we're talking about cast, I will just talk about... I have been a Mark Dacascas fan... For a very long time, he's a very accomplished martial Since artist. Since Iron Chef, um, uh, before <laughs> Iron Chef, um, from Only the Strong, which is the Capoeira movie, 
And also he's in uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf, which is a fantastic film. And uh, if people haven't seen that, we should totally cover that movie for this podcast. Or you may know him from Iron Chef uh, or as a villain in Hawaii Five O reboot. He did that for a bit too. Oh, I did not mm-hmm. know that. Yeah. But yes, Iron Chef uh, is where a lot of people discovered him, I think. But he's a not only is he very well uh, distinguished martial, martial artist, he created his own form of martial arts, uh, very much like a Jackie Chan. So, uh, Josh, I totally forgot about Brotherhood of the Wolf. Yeah, Le Pacte That movie is so de, good. Le Pacte de Wolf. <laughs> yes, oh. it is. With um, uh, Gerard Depardieu, right? Yeah. And Mark Dacascos. I Oh, man, I haven't thought about that movie in a long time. <laughs> that was back in when I was in college. That was one of the movies I watched. Oh, that, yeah. You know, made me Early feel like 2000s. I was a film person. Yeah. Right. So. All right. Okay. But anyway. Hit plot, us with that hey? plot. Uh, okay. So, John Wick is on the run after killing a member of the International Assassins Guild. And with a $14 million price tag on his head. He is the target of hitmen and women everywhere. It's a very true plot synopsis. Not yes. very deep, but you know, <laughs> it makes is the movies really that deep? You know, that's true. Well, I you know I would argue each John Wick gets a little deeper, but we're still talking shallow end of the pool. Sure, <laughs> like it's not like. The most crazy, like in-depth plot, but I, I don't know. I, I kind of we'll talk about it. This is a long synopsis, <laughs> so we're gonna do as we do normally. If you're a new listener, uh, essentially we uh, I grab the synopsis off of IMDb or Wikipedia. I think I've just changed to IMDb because it's more reliable, and they typically have been pretty long, uh, with the exception of like Anna and the Apocalypse. So we'll go through a, parag- a couple paragraphs at a time, and, and Kyle and Kevin will stop me if they want to talk about something I covered, uh, or if I don't cover something, um, I may stop if the synopsis is wrong, which has happened sometimes, or just misses some details. Um, but what we're going to say, before I even start the synopsis, it might say it in it, but really, uh, this movie picks up uh, at the very end of John Wick 2. It literally yep. just picks right up where uh, at the end of John Wick 2, we see that he gets like a grace period where they're like, uh, Winston's like, I'm going to give you like a head start. But, you know, John Wick is excommunicado, which means essentially he's cut off from every resource he's ever had in his life. Um, the elite of the elite hitmen. So now we like we don't know what John's going to do, and and seemingly John doesn't know what he's going to do. I, I was wondering when so, it first kicked off too. In my head, I was like, I was wondering if it was one of those films that recorded, you know, two and three back to back. But I guess from what I understand, they didn't. Right. Because just because it was like literally right, like it picked right up. Like there was no time from ending of John Wick two to the start of John Wick three. It was kind of crazy. It was a little jarring, yeah. honestly. Like right at first, like you just saw the intro things, like the title things, like this film production, you know, blah, and then yeah. boom, just started. I'm like, oh, okay, we're we're getting right into this. Yeah, right into the street. Um, so at first, it says John runs through New York. At first, he's walking. Um, but yes, John starts running through New York as his time runs out on his uh, quote-unquote grace period. Um, he turns into an alley, and he sees 
Does this happen right away? I feel like it's already missing some things. <clears throat> Does he turn into the alley before anyone ever confronts him? Well, you see him like running by and people like scoping. They yeah, they're looking at him. At Nobody attacked him. Yeah, because nope. Okay, yeah. so he turns into an alley. He sees the TikTok man. Now, I don't know if I put this in the fun facts, so spoilers if I did. But the TikTok man is played by Jason Manzukis, who is from the league and lots of other things. Um, Invincible, but also from the podcast, How Did This Get Made? And when they did John Wick 2, he made a joke about wanting to be in John Wick 3, and they got him in it. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, he is playing a homeless man. He is one of the Bowery King spies. Um, he gets into a taxi. Uh, John gets into a taxi, but the roads are gridlocked. Uh, he also says, like, TikTok, Mr. Wick. That's why yep. we know he's a TikTok yep. man. Uh, <laughs> John gets into a taxi, but the roads are gridlocked uh, with only 20 minutes until he's officially excommunicado. And we do see like these cut scenes back and forth between. Um, I don't know what where they are, but these old timey the administration. Uh, f- f- yeah. Phone operators are updating the files and connecting the lines and sending out the text messages. Which is, I think it's actually sorry. played very well. It's like very. Dramatic. It is. It is one thing I noticed that I thought was kind of weird was so obviously TikTok man was going TikTok and all the people were scoping out John Wick and his time wasn't up yet. Yeah, how did they know time was ticket? They didn't make the announcement yet. Like the the administration knew, but they didn't send out communication that the bounty was on John Wick's head until the time was up. I found it to be kind of a big a, like a gap, like in like a plot hole. Plus, I'm pretty sure one of the guy, the guy who took the call, was that the same guy who played the penguin yeah. in Gotham? Oh, I didn't watch Gotham, so oh, I don't I'm pretty know. sure. Like once I saw him later Maybe? on in a different scene with the piercings and everything, I'm like, when they, what spoilers later on in the movie when they call them again, the administration office, and he talks more. Yeah. I was like, I'm 99 percent sure it's him. If not, somebody that looks very, very like him. It sounds like him, but. Maybe I'll maybe I'll look. Yeah, up. you could be right. It could maybe it's a deleted scene or something where they send like a notification to the phones that there is going to be oh possibly a bounty for John or something. Um, so yeah, yeah, but you are right. I don't think they ever explicitly like show someone getting a message that he's going to be like available for a bounty. Um, so with only twenty minutes left, he decides to get out of the cab and run again but not before he gives the driver a gold coin to take his dog safely to the Continental. Uh, he arrives at the library and asks for a book in which he reveals a hidden compartment containing some coins. This is obviously something he stashed. He asked for a very specific book in a very specific section of the library. Um, he has a cross and a marker and a picture of him and his wife, which he gives some smooches to. Uh, and then a large man, I guess his name is Ernest, <laughs> That's what they say. Corners him in the bookshelves. Uh, John tells him he still has a few minutes left, but Ernest doesn't care. He says, like, who's going to even know that that it was only a few minutes? Uh, And then they have a fight, which, man, I just, I read a lot. There was so many fun facts to this movie that I could only put a few. And it's, okay, so it's not in here. This was their homage to... um, Enter the Dragon. This was this uh, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar fight. Oh, okay. Where I guess this guy is a basketball player. Oh, I didn't know so that. So okay. they, were, they were doing an homage to Enter the Dragon, which I thought was pretty cool. I didn't pick it up when I watched it, but it makes sense now. Um, and yeah, the two have a fight. 
And this is where we get some classic now, John Wick, where we see John Wick kill someone with an, not an obvious weapon. He kills a man with a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's pretty brutal, but it's also pretty awesome to watch. It is. I was, I was a little confused. Uh, um, so yeah, the administrator, by the way, is Robin Lord Taylor, who is Penguin in Gotham. I, I looked that up. I was worried about mm. that. Um, okay. The book fight. I, I like you're right. The ending to yeah. that book fight where he kind of like cracks his neck over the, over the book standing sideways was awesome. And the way yeah. he kind of like flopped was really cool. The thing I don't get is throughout that fight, John would use the book to deflect and kind of hold the guy back. Totally makes sense. Yet again, that's a good way to stop him. But why when John was fighting back, was John punching the book? To me, that that's less <laughs> effective than actually just punching the man in the face. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not John Wick, but it just seems a weird fighting style to me to, to, hit, <laughs> to punch the book. That feels like that would do less damage cushioning through the book to hit you. You know, I think you're right. I don't know why, but you're, uh, you also nailed it. I'm not John Wick. I don't know why he did yeah. it, <laughs> but yeah. I'm sure uh, he had his, next his meetup, We're going to test it and see, <laughs> see if it works, which works better fist or a book. <laughs> uh, and Ernest is played by Boban Marjanovic who uh, plays for uh, the Dallas Mavericks. Okay. There we go. That was important. Yes. <laughs> Almost as important as my Gotham fact. Uh, you know, Josh is like, I'm over it, guys. I don't care who else is here. He's earnest. No, no. People like it. I like it if people like it. Uh, <laughs> uh, he does get stabbed during the fight in his shoulder. Um, so he visits the doctor. Again, same doctor yep. uh, who he has been in with the ma- in the Matrix as well. Oh, that's right. Um, that was but the, he visits the, key the doctor maker, right? at his. Yes, ah, he's the key maker. Also, Chad Chad Stahecki's in the new Matrix movie as um, a character, mm. which is he started as Keanu Reeves stunt double in the Matrix. Uh, okay. Uh, see, this is what happens when I go off script. Uh, under those circumstances, yeah, it's a little weird. Like it's so, it just like he. You know, he's like, oh, time holds a mirror up and uses. Yeah, he's like, time's up and get to stop stitching. And the guy stops instantly, you know, and then John's like, all right, well, Mm. grab this mirror. Let me just continue stitching myself up, Doc. And then let me go find my own pills. But yeah. Yeah. But then we were were immediately like shown how seriously everyone takes all of this. So now John's $14 million bounty is in full effect. After finishing stitching himself up and taking some pills, uh, the doctor basically is like, dude, you got to shoot me. <laughs> and John's like, Ugh, fine. <laughs> yeah, this part. Sorry, he sits himself on the chair and points to like, John, just shoot me here. And of course, we know John Wick can shoot, you know, an, an apple off of you, an owl's head. So he shoots and wounds a doctor at his request. But the doctor's like, dude, that's not enough. <laughs> you can have to shoot me here, too. <laughs> Which this makes no sense. So <clears throat> he stops and then says, I can't do any more. And then points out the medicine and says, I, you, you know, they'll know I helped you. Right. He was like, she'll know. Yeah. So you need to shoot me. Okay. If they know that he helped them, wouldn't they also then somehow magically know that he also instructed him to shoot him? Like, that, like either way, they're going to know something fishy happened. Like you didn't get away with it either way, dude. Like if they're going to know you said, Hey, the Tylenol's right there, John. I feel like they would know you let him shoot you. They don't know that he took the Tylenol. (laughs) That's what he said. He said, they'll know I helped you because I told you where the medicine was. Well, right. What I think he's implying is like, since you have medicine and things like that, 
you have to shoot me to make it look like you shot me for me to tell you. But I mean, how are they going right. to know he took the medicine? But, <laughs> like, because if you think no, no. with it, and also fourteen yes, million doesn't I, okay. seem like enough, right? Like in today's well, world, don't worry, the price keeps rising. <laughs> yeah, but even then, even when it rises up, it's still not enough because it's like you can win more playing the lottery, and you don't need to kill people, let alone the best assassin in the world. Like. Kevin, if so, someone offered me $14 million to kill John Wick and I was an assassin, I would take it. No question. <laughs> real briefly, real briefly. Um, you probably, you two clearly didn't know. My internet completely died. Yeah, we know. We, we figured it out. Oh, did it? Okay. So, <laughs> listeners, there's a weird hiccup in there. My bad. Because uh, I'm the one who's like hosting the recording. So, hopefully, it's fine. But yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. We, we assumed it was still going good, when yeah. you were gone. So, we just kind of kept going. No, that's and fine. I have, and I can save a local file too, so we should be. No, it's fine. We should be. It's fine. Anyways, so looking past all that stuff, uh, John leaves. He's immediately set upon by waves. Waves. It says a wave of assassins, but it's it's everybody. <laughs> Again, we talked about this in John Wick too. Um, it does seem like they're just everyone seems to be an assassin, which maybe that's just the best way to make money in this world that they live in. Uh, but seriously, everyone is, I guess I shouldn't say everyone. A lot. He does pass by plenty of pedestrians. <laughs> Who don't um, seem bothered at any of this is going on, by the way. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, there's lots of hints that there's a lot of assassins. So, yeah, no, no one ever scatters. Nope. No one like really ever runs. No police ever. <laughs> they're just like, right, yeah. Maybe that's what it's like living in New York or whatever city they're yeah, fictionalizing. <laughs> Uh, so he, he's on the run, he's, uh, avoiding people. He ends up running into, um, a, an antique store, an antique arm shop. Uh, John uses the old weaponry to kill them in a vicious series of fights involving all kinds of antique knives. Um, this was also an homage to a Clint Eastwood film, which I'm forgetting, where John was like trying to find specific bullets to these old guns. And I, I thought this scene played pretty well because he didn't just take any gun yeah. out of a bookshelf and just put out of a case and then just put any bullets in. He was like legitimately trying to figure out which guns go with which guns and what can he use. Um, and then he found these really cool, like throwing knives, which he did some work with dude the whole knife fight um, scene and, like yeah. it was shot great like first off because it was like all the mirrors and all that stuff like it was it was beautifully done the choreography was great it just made me extremely uncomfortable like i i don't know just the repeated stabbing like and it and it just didn't stop there were so many stabs like so many yes. knives <laughs> but i also found it really funny too in a couple different points where they were just throwing the knives like and not really precision, they'd bounce off each other. Like they were clearly weren't stabbing, but then occasionally it was like with yeah. precision from so far, it was like right in the eye, you know. And, but it, it made me, it actually yeah. made me uncomfortable just seeing all the stabbing. Like honestly, like I really kind of got creeped out by it. That bothers you more than the fifteen yeah. gunshots to one yeah. head. <laughs> uh, I will say the part where he like builds that gun. Yeah. To use for one, for one bullet. bullet. I one was bullet. like, I mean, okay. <laughs> just throw the gun at That's yeah. the point. use of your time. Punch a book, <laughs> John. But, but the part where he's like, the guy's resisting and he's like, the knife is oh, slowly yeah. going towards his eye. I was like, oh gosh, oh gosh, <laughs> oh gosh, oh gosh. And then just slow and like slow mm-hmm. into it, like slowly stabs yeah. into that. I was like, ooh, they, I mean, they're going for some 
disturbing imagery, like more so than the past Absolutely. movies. The past movies, like, you know, like, yeah, there was some lot of shooting and like heads, like, and you see blood spray, but like, this was like slow, yeah. close. Yes. Definitely up, bothered like, me more. Like I said, like, yeah, I wasn't eyeball. exaggerating. Like the, the stabbing bothered me way more than the gunshots. <laughs> Hands down. Yeah. Well, if you thought the anti-gum shop was a little over the top, <laughs> John emerges into the streets and is set upon by more assassins. They follow him into horse stables where John uses the horses and their powerful kicks to kill several foes. <laughs> he also leaves the, the stables on horseback, but is followed by two men on motorcycles and John kills them both from horseback. You know what? I don't even think that we need to address it now because we'll talk about horses again soon. <laughs> John's bounty is raised to $15 million. John arrives at a theater where he is told to empty his pockets and remove his belt. He meets with the director, played by Angelica Houston, uh, and asks for her help by presenting the cross he picked up from the library. She is uh, sitting there speaking in Russian, uh, choreographing a Russian ballet dancer to what you would imagine would be like the brutal training that ballet mm-hmm. dancers have to go through. Um, I thought it was actually a pretty well done scene. It definitely showed off um, this like ominous power of Angelica Houston's character, mm-hmm. like really played off like a really powerful, like mob boss kind of character, very quiet and like also loud at the same time, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Uh, I like that scene. It was nice. It was a, it was, I think that's kind of John Wicky. Like some of the, a lot of the, I think they played her scene. Like they play a lot of the bad guy scenes yeah. in the John Wick movies, but she's really an ally in this one to a degree. Yeah. She definitely got the character. Uh, but treatment. only, only because he has the cross. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise she probably would want to, which they didn't also. really explain the cross. Like, yeah, hey, I mean, stuff's going to happen. You'll just get into it, but it's just like, Hey, I got this rosary. You're going to do what I tell you yeah. to do. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it comes to the point in John in this in these movies where like we just know that John owes people and oh, people John. owe yeah. John, and they always have these mm-hmm. trinkets to show why and how. Um, so they discuss John's history. Uh, this is where he was raised. She takes him to the back of the theater. They, she also uses his real name, which we talked about in John Wick yes. Two. Um, I think maybe in the fun facts, uh, but. They use his real name. They discuss his history and um, how he was used to train with ballet dancers and jujitsu wrestlers. Um, and she asks him what he wants. And he wants passage to Casablanca, which was actually might also be in the fun facts. I read so many fun facts. I forget what I put in. <laughs> um, but it was important to them that they wanted to um, channel Casablanca, the film, and that was really important to them to film there. So they really worked their way to include it in the movie. Um, she agrees. Um, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I could be wrong. I mean, I don't know that I am. Uh, I don't know that those, the whole jujitsu wrestlers, I think that was combat Sambo, but I could be wrong. Whoa. Okay. Just All saying right. as someone who <laughs> formerly did jujitsu for a number of years. Oh, I mean, yes, there were jujitsu moves in there and yes, there was wrestling in the moves in those, but that, in and of itself, looked like combat sambo. Okay, well, I uh, 
You did jujitsu. I'll take your word. Now, was this also <laughs> like implying that she trains assassins? Like I, that's kind of what I was getting from. Yes. Okay, I'm like because I got very like Black Widow vibes from the ball- ballerinas, and then like the guys doing yeah. the jujitsu. It was like, does she train like the next generation of of them to come out, or because she's not? <clears throat> they don't. She's not directly tied to the assassins. Like she's not part of the table or under the table. Like she's a, adjacent to that stuff. Right? Like, so it's not yes. also, you know. Like a contractor. Almost. Yeah. And she trains them and then they pay her probably to hire her. Assassins. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, at the end, yeah. Cause at the end, I mean, the, or not the end, but yeah. a little bit here. I mean, she gets in trouble, yeah. you know, so she has to pay the fealty thing. So there's clearly some relationship there. But I will say the most gruesome part of the whole movie happened in that oh, scene. Toenail. When he walk, when they walk by the ballet dancer <laughs> and they're like, "Art is paid," and she rips her toenail off, plucks her toenail oh, right out. Boy. Yeah, yeah. I have I have trauma from that when I lost the toenail as, as a kid. Um, I know exactly what that feels like because my dad was like, "Your toenail's black. We just gotta pull it off." And then they did, and I was very young, like eight, maybe eight or ten, had my toenail pulled off of my toe. So yeah, I get that. <laughs> Stub your toe the wrong way. Um, no thanks. <laughs> So she agrees, breaking all ties with him and branding him with a cross in the process. Upside down, by the way. Process. It was an upside down cross when they branded an him. I noticed that. Cross. That stood out for some reason. I don't know why, but. So we cut back to the the Continental where we see a new character enter. Uh, she slides a coin over to Charon, who's now taking care of the dog, uh, who informs Winston, the manager, that the adjudicator is here to see him. I also didn't put this in the fun facts, but I wanted to tell you guys that Keanu Reeves actually came up with the idea of the adjudicator when they were talking about the film. Hmm. She wasn't even in it uh, when they originally wrote it. Um, After asking to see Santino's body, the adjudicator informs Winston that he must step down from his position due to the fact that he allowed John to live after spilling blood on continental grounds. Uh, following, I actually, I do want to say, I don't know who the actress is who plays the adjudicator. I should have put her name in the cast. I think the way she plays that character is perfect. Yeah. Very well, um, balanced. I don't want to say monotone, but I think well balanced is probably the better term. Um, not over, not emotional. No, she's very ominous. Very, her presence there just gives you that sense right. of like, okay, she has authority, even though she doesn't really have a razor voice or, you know, like she just kind of, and she's not rattled by anything. She doesn't take threats. She doesn't care. Um, and she's, she's constantly surrounded by groups of people who could easily kill her. Yeah. And, and she has this confidence that nothing will happen. You think could easily kill her. You don't really know. That's true. You, we don't know her background. Uh, the actress is Asia Kate Dillon. Okay. Um, and she played is probably best known for playing Brandy Epps in orange is the new black. Um, but it also mm. plays Taylor Mance Mason on Billions. Okay, very cool. Uh, so the Adjudicator also now um, visits the Bowery King. Uh, he tells her that he is honoring the excommunicado. However, she informs him that no one is free from the high table's rules and that he must leave town because he gave John a gun, knowing what it would be used for. He literally laughs in her face, claiming he cannot step down from the throne because he is the throne. Meanwhile, John arrives in Casablanca. 
Uh, almost immediately, he's set upon by three knife-wielding foes. Uh, one of them is killed in the battle, but the fight is cut short by a man who informs them both that the manager has granted John amnesty. Uh, he's also like that guy from that movie. Like he's a very good actor and everything I've seen him in, but I, I don't know that he's ever been in a starring right. role in the films he's been in, but he is, he's a very good actor. Um, one of the assassins is not happy and attempts to attack John. And then that man shoots his own man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so him and John go to Morocco's continental hotel where John is taken to see the manager where you hear the clip that started our podcast. Uh, this is where uh, John is taken to see Halle Berry's character, Sophia. Uh, he sees photos of a woman and her daughter before two growling dogs come and stand guard beside him. Uh, the manager, as I said, Sophia steps out of the shadows and shoots him in the chest. Yeah. <laughs> he falls to the ground. But remember... He's wearing his either daytime or nighttime yes. suit, depending on what he has left from John Wick 2, uh, which is bulletproof. She tells him she ought to kill him, but he presents a marker that she made with John some years before. And as a result of John having rescued her daughter, um, he basically tells her, like, hey, you can't kill me. You know that, right? And she's like, yeah, I know I can't kill you, but that doesn't mean I can't hurt you. <laughs> um she uh, does ask him not to present the marker, but he insists um, because, you know, desperate times. And he wants her to take him to see her old boss. And she t- agrees because she has to honor the marker. Which is weird. So if he's excommunicado and he loses all assistance and benefits of being in that role he was in, you'd think that the marker would also be invalid. And in fact, just by simply granting him passage into the Continental there she would also be yeah. in a similar situation to Winston in the Bowery King, like just for that. But I don't know. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the markers like super, like it's more of an honor yeah. thing. Like I agree with you. I agree with you. It should void markers and stuff, but based off of Winston and Bowery King, like it seems like, and the director, uh, it seems like these are things that supersede mm. even the rules themselves, which is why they're so important. And probably, even though John seems to have a whole bunch, probably infrequently given. Um, He only has so much because he is the best bounty hunter uh, out of all the bounty hunters. Um, We got back to the adjudicator who goes to a small sushi shop and the chef is Zero, who is played by Mark Dacascus, who recognizes, well, he's very like, this is how a Japanese uh, sushi shop owner would talk to an American at first like very like cheery and loud and happy. And then she slides the coin in front of him and he gets very serious. Um, and he says he didn't expect her so soon. He already knows about John and he is interested in hunting him down. He uh, just accepts the task that the adjudicator gives him. Um, he also says, sorry, he adjudicated tasks him with doing so as well as going after all those who helped him. So, it's not just John. He has to go after everybody. Big task, but he seems to have quite the number of guys to help him do that. So Sophia returns to John heavily armed. Now, if you listen to the clip we played, she's like, I'm not going to I'm not going to be killing people. And he's like, yeah, I don't expect you to. But essentially, 
we're introduced to like John Wick 2.0. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very, very shortly after that. Um, so Sophia returns to John heavily armed. She hides a weapon uh, on one of the dog's vests. John assures her he just wants to talk to her boss, but she's skeptical, probably because she knows her former boss. Uh, they agree, uh, sorry, they arrive at the complex to meet with Barada, Sophia's old boss, and John asks Barada to take him to the elder, the one who sits above the high table. So he can make a mess. It's got to be really awkward Parada to eat at the know. high table if you're sitting above it. <laughs> it's like, um, did you? You didn't watch that Netflix movie we covered in Decade of no. Um The platform. No. <laughs> He's on floor one of oh, the okay. platform. Uh, everyone else is below him. Um, you should watch that movie. Watch the platform if you're listening to this. It's on Netflix. Uh, Kevin, you can't. You gotta. It's it's. Uh, in subtitles, also you have to watch it. I have Netflix. Netflix, I can do that. Brada <laughs> uh, <laughs> doesn't know. So Brada says he doesn't know where the the elder is, but he knows that the elder only finds those who he wants to find. And he tells John, "I think this is probably the craziest thing that John Luke <laughs> does in all of the movies." But he tells John to go to the desert and to follow the stars until he is almost dead where the elder may or may not find him. Uh, but before they can leave, Brada demands a gift. He wants one of Sophia's dogs. Uh, and of course she is unwilling to give the dog to him in typical bad guy form. He's like, well, I mean, okay, if you're not going to give me your dog, I'm, I'm just going to kill it. And then he shoots her dog, <laughs> which, you know, that's, you know, I, I love John Wick movies, but man, you guys got to chill out with sh- shooting animals. I don't love that. <laughs> <laughs> don't love that. It's a little much. Just shoot people. Okay. What did that dog ever do to anybody? <laughs> well, it's very soon I mean, that dog's about to do a lot. The dog's uh, doing yes, a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's, the dog's going to go in his own John Wick movie. Uh, <laughs> but unknown to Barada, of course, uh, the dog is wearing a bulletproof vest and Barada shot the vest. Like, what it was, I mean, is that really unknown uh, to him? The dog is kind of fully visible wearing body armor. Like, the guy's just a bad shot because there's also uh, a lot exposed I'm on the dog. I'm gonna shoot this guy's coat. Well, there's a lot exposed <laughs> yes. on the dog, too. Like, you could easily have shot the dog if you really wanted to. He just sucks. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, typical bad, bad guy. Uh, John warns uh, Sophia against seeking revenge, but uh, Sophia's dog was just shot. So she shoots Parada, I think, like in the lower thigh in a fight. Uh, Edgar with his staff ensues. Uh, the dog attacks Parada's groin. Uh, once the guards are dead, Sophia shoots Parada in the leg and the two make their escape. But more guards are on the way and they shoot their way out of the complex with her dogs following her commands and then make their way into the desert. So we haven't really talked too much about like the fight scenes and the action scenes up to now. I, I think that this is probably a good point to uh, cover like the choreography for how they had to have filmed this. And, and this I do know is in the fun facts, so I won't spoil anything about that, but um, I think they did a really good job. Like, um choreographing this scene there's a lot of like 
vertical set mm. pieces and obstacles. And uh, once again, I, I just really feel like, I really feel like this is one of those movies where they do these things in like one take. Like it's just like one of those panoramic, like following shots where they're just like, and that might not be how it is, but at least it's presented itself that way. Where I really just love the choreography in these movies. And a lot of that comes from the director, which is actually very uncommon in films to have the director choreographing scenes. Yeah. But with his like background. with his like background and, and his knowledge, I just really think it was very well done. Uh, yeah. but I also do agree there's been Kevin talked about a little bit of some CG that looked out of place. There's definitely some of that in this area. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, but I think there's more practical than yeah. It, the, the CGI stuff really is like anytime somebody got stabbed or like the sword ones and it like went through a body part, it always looked kind of weird. Uh, and the scene here yeah. where the dog kind of jumps up the wall off of Halle Berry's back, and it was like I know German shepherds they can definitely jump, but this was abnormally high and the effect was weird as it did it too. Um, I will say, like you said, the choreography was great and the practical effects were really good. But something else I noticed about this movie going through it, and it was a lot of it happened in this scene as well, but it happened earlier with just John before we even got to this point. There are a lot of crotch shots in this movie too. Like a lot. <laughs> it, and, and I mean by a yeah, lot meaning more want, than 20. Kevin. Like it just seemed really weird that like every time somebody was like fighting, well, I'm John Wick, I'm going to have to punch you in the nuts or the dog would bite them in the nuts or Halle Berry <laughs> would bite him in the nuts. So like it was just stuff all over the place. It was just. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know the Halle Berry. <laughs> Anyone oh, you didn't watch the director's cut, then. Um, <laughs> uh, what I will say, though, uh, is because people were skeptical, that dog really did run up that wall. Yes, I've seen the really? behind the scenes yeah, too. That actually, yeah, it looked yeah. off. Huh? And Halle okay. Berry does. Yeah, and Halle Berry did all the stunts, but two. That was one of them she didn't hmm. do. Um, and then there was yeah. one other where she like slides over a table or something because they didn't want her to like, yeah. cut her face to mess up filming. Yeah, but like otherwise, like I thought she did. A she great really did. Job. Yeah, I was impressed. Of, yeah, stay of tuned for the fun facts. Did. There's a lot of Halle Berry in the fun facts. <laughs> so, but yeah, though that dog really did run up that wall, which was very it high. It was very high. It, did, it just yeah. didn't look natural. That's why I thought it was bad CGI. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they they uh, make their way to the desert. Meanwhile, in the theater, the, re- the director is still watching some ballet. Meanwhile, her guards are being cut down um, by brutal but efficient ninjas. Uh, three men walk on stage and interrupt the performance. And the adjudicator and Zero approach from behind. The adjudicator tells the director that her agreement with the high table doesn't allow her to help John. She agrees to show her fealty, and the adjudicator requires her penalty to be paid in blood. Uh, she puts her hands out in a clapping motion, and the and Zero, uh, this is a CG part, mm-hmm. runs his sword through both of her hands, but leaves her alive. And she really seemed unbothered uh, by it, desert. to be honest. Like, she didn't even really react when yeah. they did it. I mean, furthermore, badassery of her character, but I was just like, man, she seemed really unaffected to the fact he just did that. Like, yeah, it shows her, like, hard-boiledness of mm. her character, I think. Um, instead of, like, screaming or crying and making her look a little bit weaker, it's just kind of, like, showing how strong she is as a character. Which I find it weird because she's the first one to be to be punished by the adjudicator, if you will, like formally. Winston and and the Bowery King were given a week. The thing I don't get is I would think, especially in the case of of Winston especially, you don't get to step down. 
like uh, what happens that like if John Wick couldn't really like retire without jumping through crazy hoops in the first place, how do you just step down from running yeah. the Continental for forty years? Like I almost feel like they have to kill them. Like there's no there's no a way around it. Yeah, we'll find that in John Wick Four. Uh, <laughs> John and Sophia drive to the desert, um, and John pricks his finger uh, in the signs of uh, the in signs of marker with his blood, basically just uh, alleviating Sophia from her her duty to the to the marker. Uh, she gives most of the water to her dogs <laughs> that she has. Uh, she swills the rest in her mouth just before spitting a muffle back into the bottle. She tells John that he's going to die either here or later down the line. No um, kidding. He's going to die. You'll die eventually. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> and then, of course, John Wick walks into the desert with the bottle of spit water from Halle Berry, which I would totally drink. Yeah. By <laughs> uh, <laughs> he is in his full black suit uh, also, just so you know. Walked through the sand dunes for a day and a night before he collapses. This was also Keanu Reeves' first time in that desert. And he said it was incredible, but he also had to wear a black suit. So also it wasn't incredible. Also on camera, it looked uh, more like Cheeto <laughs> dust than anything else. Yeah. When he woke up, <laughs> the next scene you're about to talk to, and he like, you know, woke up, he literally looked like he was covered in Cheeto dust. It was pretty orange. <laughs> So yeah, he walks across the sand dunes and he, and he collapses. Uh, meanwhile, we go back to the Bowery King um, where we get some more ninjas who are killing some more people. And of course, Zero and the Adjudicator approach the Bowery King now on the rooftop. He tells the Adjudicator that he's willing to show fealty, but she says that he had his chance. She wasn't very happy with his attitude before. He is defiant and sends his pigeon out of harm's way like a good Pigeon hand. You'll shoot a dog, but you don't uh, mess before the zero. <laughs> before zero deals him seven cuts as punishment for the seven bullets he gave John. And then the Bowery King falls to the rooftop. Back to the desert. A cloaked man comes across John. Then John wakes up in a tent. He is face to face with the Elder, who informs him that he has never seen a man so lost. He asks him why he wants to live, and John says it is to remember Helen. Helen is his dead wife, in case people forgot. <laughs> also, fun fact, the Elder is surprisingly younger than all of the other villains in this movie. So, just want to point that out. That's right. He's just Elder in his brain hole. <laughs> his brain uh, hole? So, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the Elder gives him a ear hole. Uh, the Elder gives him a choice. Die here or come or become the boogeyman again. Uh, remembering through death, he can never be out like he once was. Uh, but he can reverse the excommunicado, which is important to note. Because that will become important, I believe. But he has to kill Winston to do that. Uh, Johnny agrees and pledges fealty by cutting off his wedding ring finger. <laughs> I, another scene where I don't understand at all. Especially when all he did was give the guy the ring. Like John, they, yeah, they they come off, dude. It's not you don't you don't need to do what you did with a chisel. It wasn't even like a knife. It was a chisel. He cut his own finger off with. Yes, that's how he is pledging fealty. You got to give up something more than you. Oh, I'm sorry. You I'm going to kill my that friend. That's not enough for you. You need to take my ring finger. You want me to murder somebody? and You're making me give away a finger. 
that that could be important later. <laughs> hmm. That's true. Maybe if he just put his finger on ice, they could fix it. Uh, so I was expecting that. Honestly, accepts- I was expecting him to go back to the doctor and get it sewn <laughs> that he was back in you know business. <laughs> the other accepts his pledge of fealty. Um, he directs staff to help him prepare for passage back to New York and provides him with new clothes. Upon arriving in New York, John comes face to face with two assassins. However, they are cut down by some ninjas. Oh, it is important to, to note, too, ninjas, he's not excommunicado yes. until he kills Winston. So he's returning back into New York, still well, going to fight everybody. Well, he's still excommunicado. Right, he still has to fight everybody yes. in New York when he comes back. They're all trying to hunt him still for that bounty. Correct. Uh, then you just take John to see Zero. John and Zero are about to fight, but a line of school children interrupt them, which is nice to see that they still have some decency. No, just John did. That was that was the line. He said, "That's the difference between you and me." He's like, "I wouldn't have stopped." So Zero said he yeah. wouldn't. He would have killed the kids apparently, but John stopped. <laughs> uh, John makes his escape, killing two motorcycle ninjas. I I have a just hard time saying ninjas because I don't ever feel like. That's just like an acceptable term for this movie. Just assassins. Do they have to be? Well, that, that's right. But that's important <laughs> distinguish distinction though, because I kept thinking every time I saw them and every seen it, how they were just like dispatching people left and right, like no problem. It's like, why aren't these guys the primary assassins? Why weren't they just told to kill John Wick and not go through all of these things that this movie goes through? If they were supposedly so much better, why weren't they involved like ever before? Like ninjas didn't exist until this that's movie. True. And now they're very prominent and they're better than all the other assassins. <laughs> Well, Zero didn't exist till this movie, so maybe he's. He did, but he was making sushi and hosting Iron Chef. Oh, well. (laughs) Yes, he technically. I was waiting for him to say Alley Cuisine, Uh, but he never did. Spoilers. (laughs) Spoilers for Iron Chef? Is that a thing? Yeah, he yells Alley Cuisine when they start every match. And I was waiting for him to do it in this movie. uh, Mango! This movie did so many other homages. Why not do that? No, not Mango. (laughs) That's true. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, so we go on to motorcycle ninjas. He t- uh, and Zero and his ninja assassins chase John on the freeway while driving at high speed. John kills several sword wielding opponents. Uh, Zero chases him into the city, but they both crash near the Continental. Uh, but because John has his hand on Continental grounds, Zero cannot kill him. Uh, Karen takes John into a waiting room and Zero follows, uh, which is a pretty funny scene because Zero talks about how much of a fan of John Wick he is. And uh, not only does he tell John that they're the same, he's also like just sitting there like a fanboy. He's like, how cool was that? That was so cool. And John's like, dude, we're not the same. You suck. (laughs) We're not even close to the same. Uh, John's dog uh, comes out, and of course, there's some more funny quips from Wednesday. He's like, of course, you're a dog guy. Look at that dog. That dog loves you. <laughs> um, but he tells the dog to sit and stay once Winston is ready to see him. So Winston meets with John in a glass room used only when needs uh, when one needs to see what their opponent hides under the table. He knows John is here to kill him and prefers to be killed by a friend, but John tells uh, Winston that there is another way. He can pull the trigger and sell his soul, forever becoming the boogeyman and working for the high table, or he can stand and fight against the high table, eventually dying as the man his wife loved. 
When the adjudicator arrives to see if Winston will step down, he will not. So she asks if John will kill him. He will not. So she declares the Continental deconsecrated, which means business can now be conducted on its grounds. And now both men are targets. Some of the, target, the high table's finest will be joining them shortly. However, under the circumstances, Winston sees it fit to reinstate all of John's privileges. He only guns, lots of guns, uh, which we go back to the arms room. So John is shown the arms room where he's told that the high table have improved their armor and has recommended a stronger caliber round. Winston locks himself in the arms uh, uh, safe while John, Caron, and this is, I think this is a pretty funny scene. So Winston locks himself in a safe. It's more like a living room inside of a yeah. safe. He's got a bar it's and everything. It's very cozy. Yeah. But there's like even points where, so now uh, Karen is helping John. Karen's out there being a badass mm-hmm. too. He's firing off some rounds. They got, we are introduced to some more John Wick shotgun love. Yep. And more brutal shotgun kills, but also like, they like just like kind of stroll back into the safe whenever they need like more ammo. It's very casual. yeah, it's kind of weird. It's almost like a safe. It it's a safe cool. state in a video game. That's what it was. Like you were just <laughs> run back into this room and yeah. nobody can get you. I I do find it weird though. Like yeah. so, some of the high table's finest, you know, have full body armor. That's really only what makes them any better than John Wick. Really, when you think about it. But hmm. they made this grand entrance. You know, they cut the power. They go into the main room. They threw like twenty flashbangs and smoke grenades. To a room that nobody yeah. was in. You're not that yes. good then. I'm sorry. Uh, like you, They did it for also, no reason at all. And, well, they actually did it as an homage to the Matrix um, uh, elevator scene where John, uh, where Keanu Reeves is uh, firing those bullets between the pillars in the Matrix. That was their homage to to that part of the matrix. I don't, I don't get it, but okay. I don't know if you remember. I, I know. I remember the scene, but there was no smoke grenades being thrown in an empty room. <laughs> no, they, they were using the, I think they were using the flashbangs for it. Uh, so yes. So, uh, they go back and forth. Uh, their armor is tougher than anyone thought. So John has to get up close and personal. Uh, the adjudicator phones Winston asking him how long he thinks he can keep the defenses up. He puts the phone down. He actually hangs up on her. Yeah. Like mid sentence. <laughs> The first time you see her actually have a visceral Yeah, she got flustered a little bit. Happening. Yeah. yeah. Um, so only John and Karen survived the high table's first wave, and then they regroup in the arms safe where Karen introduces him to the armor-piercing shotgun. I mean, armor-piercing shotgun is great, but it's pretty funny when you use an armor-piercing shotgun on someone's face and not on a armor-piercing vest. <laughs> <laughs> Armored vest. Like You're like, oh, a little overkill maybe. So the second wave arrives, and John makes quick work of them. Of course, the shotgun able to blow their heads clean off. <laughs> the adjudicator phones Winston again and asks if a parlay might be beneficial. And he's like, yeah, of course, a parlay is beneficial to me. <laughs> so let's do it. Um, John makes his way to the glass room from before, where he's attacked by two ninjas and thrown through several glass displays. Eventually, he manages to kill both using his their, their own sword. Uh, he makes his way upstairs as Zero taunts him through the glass, but is attacked by two of Zero's best men, the Shinobi. Shinobi 1 and Shinobi 2. Uh, they get the upper hand and have the opportunity to kill John, but refrain from doing so to talk about the honor of fighting <laughs> yeah. him. I, I, know th- I know that sounds weird, but I think 
That is so cool that they did like, that. I get That's it. very Bruce yeah. Lee. That's very Bruce Lee. That's very old um, martial arts films where they show admiration to each other in honor more than just shooting people with guns. And I, the fight scene in this, this whole set piece is incredibly well done. The fights are so good. It's so well choreographed again. Um, I just loved every minute. Yeah, they definitely, it was definitely cool, especially when like you got to the, the lighting of the glass where it kind of made like a mirrored effect that it was throwing people off. The one yeah. thing I don't get, though, is <clears throat> right when John first enters the room and he starts battling with the guys who are just kind of jumping out of the shadows, he gets pushed into a couple of those glass cabinets and he, like, he hits it and falls down, right? Yeah. Some of these are bulletproof. Some of these a sword can go through. They don't break. And then yet sometimes John just barely gets pushed into one of these things and they shatter all over the place. Like the glass <laughs> was a little inconsistent. It was very cool, but it was weird how sometimes he could be thrown into it and didn't do anything. And then another time he was like punched and he went through like flying through it. Like and just glass burst everywhere. I was a little weird. Fair. Uh the fight resumes and they knock down John again. They basically beating the crap out of John. He's having a tough time. As he struggles to get back up, they discuss him being out of shape because of his recent retirement. John takes off his belt and prepares it as a weapon. Takes him to the woodshed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> After a protracted third round, a protracted third round. After a third round, uh, where tired John resorts to groin kicks and ear slaps, John is able to perform a slam on an opponent that shatters the glass around and sends them crashing to the lower floors. The Shinobi can't get up and John can. He leaves to go and find Zero, who is on the upper floor. Uh, Zero and John have a long sword fight. Eventually, John gets the upper hand by using Zero's own disappearing trick against him. Uh, even through, even though he's badly <laughs> bleeding, uh, Zero find, keeps fighting until John shoves a sword straight through his chest. Worn out, both men sit together, and Zero talks about how good the fight was, and he tells John he will catch up. To when he him. catches his breath, <laughs> uh, he, he he won't. Uh, as John leaves. Zero slumps to the side, dead. Um, I just want to say real brief. So for that uh, fight with the Shinobi, mm. some of those camera angles made John Wick look like a giant. Yes. <laughs> and those two look extremely yeah. small. Yeah. And I was like, I, I couldn't tell if they were really that much drastically shorter or what was going on there. But I right. was like, my goodness. It's I like, think he was taller like an than adult. Them. Like fighting, like play fighting with yeah. kids almost is what it looked yeah. like sometimes. He definitely was taller. I think also too their fighting stance, like they crouched down when they were fighting versus a lot of the other people we saw. Yeah, and it's also good to point out yeah. too. He didn't. John didn't kill those two. He beat them and he right. walked They're away. Like they, he didn't kill them. John Wick okay. <laughs> I, I did. I did look up the stats for one of them, and one of the people was is only five two. So I guess okay. there you go. How tall is Keanu? Yeah, is he tall? Tall or is he just like average? But, Let's take a look. He's here. always portrayed as tall, but so is Tom Cruise. So yeah. who knows? <laughs> uh, he's six okay, one. So yeah, I mean that's a, that's a big he's difference. A foot. Yeah. Than them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So Winston and the adjudicator are on the roof having a parlay. She tells Winston that this was just the first wave, that more will come, and that the Continental will fall. That doesn't sound like a parlay to me. All right. Uh, Winston retorts by claiming he could take the Continental back. He has ties that go deeper than these walls. He is New York. 
John arrives as the adjudicator decides Winston's show of power was a show of fealty. She reinstates the Continental and him as a manager, but tells him that something must be done about John. Winston agrees and shoots John several times. Of course, the bullets uh, bounce. They don't bounce off his jacket, but they hit his jacket and fall, uh, pushing him back till he falls from the roof, bouncing on various things until, uh, which somewhat break his fall, but still he hits the ground hard. And the adjudicator is like, okay, cool. That's good. Uh, as she leaves, she decides she will need to check John's body. She re-enters the content and tells Winston the body is gone. She tells him that they do not want John Rick coming back after them. And Winston agrees and whispers, Baba Yaka, <laughs> as if summoning him like Candyman. Uh, <laughs> we, we then cut to see the TikTok man wheeling a cart as John's dog follows. Uh, he tips a battered and broken John out of the cart, who rolls to a stop in front of a makeshift throne. On this throne, drinking a Fanta, orange Fanta to be specific, is the Bowery King himself. He is cut up quite badly and tells John to raise a hand if he can hear him. John raises his four-fingered hand, and the Bowery King talks about John's betrayal. He goes, he's like, oh, shit, they took finger. your finger. It's <laughs> a great, great scene. Uh, they talk about John's betrayal uh, in the High Table's rules. He mentions that more things get done under the table and that he's really pissed off. He asks John if he's pissed off, too. John slowly raises his head, and he puts. Uh, he also puts out a, a middle finger earlier. Um, he's bloody, and he has a messed up eye, but he can still answer. The only way Keanu Reeves can answer, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm pissed. pissed. <laughs> and then you'll hear at the end of this episode a little bit more of the end of this movie. But that is the end of this movie. Um, I actually, I want to do, let's have Kevin do the fun facts first before we talk about our thoughts okay. on this film. I can do that. So Rotten Tomatoes scores 89%, which is really big for an action movie, especially. Um, for yeah, critics. Yeah, exactly. 86% for audience. So audience actually lower than critics, which we generally don't see that often, I feel like. Very rare. Uh, box office budget was seventy-five million. Worldwide gross three hundred and twenty-six million. Um, so now for the the other fun facts here: Halle Berry actually broke three ribs while filming the movie. Um, guns, lots of guns, as Josh alluded to earlier, was the same line Neo said in the Matrix as he was equipping up for his final battle. He would need lots of guns. Uh, Halle Berry had to learn dog training during the production. She spent six months learning how to train dogs. That seems crazy to me, but like yeah. you don't have to learn how to train dogs. You just have to know the commands for the dogs that the studio gives you. Jeez, lady. Um, Halle Berry had to focus on increasing her endurance while training. She says because of Chad's long takes, uh, as you said, shooting those those fight scenes being done, as you said, you feel like they yeah. be one take. Um, it's essential to have really good cardiovascular stamina so I can do a lot of moves at once and then do them over and over. I also wanted to show I can keep up with Keanu Reeves, which is no easy deal. I feel like we hear that a lot, that Keanu like goes all in with his yeah. stuff. which And I know he does a lot of his own stunts. He doesn't call them stunts, though, unless they're like really, really big. Because um, I just saw an interview with him about the Matrix stuff. One thing I will note, though, and maybe it's just me, is all the scenes you see Keanu running, he has a very odd run that almost makes it seem like he's out of shape but you know darn well like he's not so it's very weird i don't know 
Um, the title Parabellum comes from the Latin phrase C. Oh, Josh, why do you do this to me? I'm just going to say, if I'm going to say what it means, <laughs> if you want peace, prepare for war. It's also an alternative name for the ambiguous nine millimeter handgun cartridge, nine millimeter Parabellum. The phrase itself appears three times in the movie. It's tattooed on the back of the ballerina girl in the beginning. It appears on a door of the bus outside the hotel, and Winston says it out loud later in the movie. Now, five different dogs portrayed Sophia's two dogs. They were trained by Andrew Simpson, who also trained the dire wolves from Game of Thrones, you might remember. They were taught a one-of-a-kind form of dog martial arts that Chad Stileski created for the film. So, Also, I did want to point out, they aren't German Shepherds. Um, they are Milan- Malinois, which is apparently a... Um, a very similar hmm. dog to German Shepherds, but um, they have specific. Uh, I wish I could look it up. Um, they're used and trained as police dogs. Oh, okay. So, you know, forget Zero having his own form of martial arts. Chad created a form of dog martial arts for dogs. <laughs> Man. Uh, Mark Dukakis, who plays Zero, and uh, Asia Kate Dillon, who plays the Adjudicator, said in an interview they both are fans of John Wick 1 and 2, and when they got the offer to play in John Wick 3, they instantly accepted without even reading the script. I feel like that's pretty safe for anybody at this point. It's like, you're going to get paid, and you get to be in this movie that everybody kind of loves. So, I mean, I don't blame anybody for doing that. Um, Mark Dukakis also comments on the difficulty of training in the climactic fight scene, admitting a few people actually ran into the glass, that glass scene we're talking about. Uh, He continues, as a fighter, a glass set is very spooky because you can't hide anything technically. You have to be super sharp, but the challenge was fun, and the final look is really cool. Yeah, because you're right. They have to worry about the cameras, the lighting. All that stuff has to be done in a certain way, so you don't see it. There's nothing you can hide behind when filming, so... That's pretty cool. And according to Chad Zaleski, when John is knocked down during his fight with the two Shinobi, he was supposed to get straight back up. But Keanu Reeves stumbled on that day, was tired from shooting, and played it off as a comedic beat, which made it into the final cut. The whole uh, them helping him stand up kind of thing that was quite funny in the scene. So he is getting old. Yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, now for the fun fact of the John Wick kill count which I did look at earlier and I'm disappointed they don't have the counts for nut shots I wanted to know how many groin shots there were in this movie Um, (laughs) and it's not there but we're going to run down here I'm not going to go through um, scene by scene but I will go over the types of deaths the stats everything like that so I will say after you do what you're going to do if you want to scroll all the way down it actually has Sophia's kill count too oh it does Oh, you're right. It does. I did yeah, not see you, that. you can get to that. Okay, at the I didn't end. see that before. Yeah. All right. So John weapons used uh, Glock 34. He had 26 kills. Uh, the TI Bernelli M2. So that big shotgun he used at the end, 22 kills with that. Um, the STI Combat Master seven handgun with uh, knife six kills, sword five kills. The Walther P99 five kills. A carbine four kills. Horse three kills. Uh, the Sig, the Sig <laughs> Copperhead, two kills. Uh, motorcycle, one kill, technically, which that was a really fun. When we were really talk about when he, the guy's leg got caught in the back tire. That yeah. was crazy. <laughs> um, book, one, as we mentioned before. Uh, the Remington 1875, the really, really old gun, one kill. Fist, one, and an axe, one kill. So John took throughout the movies 307 shots. He had 88% accuracy for a total of 85 kills, which I feel like that's a lowballing it, to be honest, but. That was there. He's getting old. His accuracy is getting lower. His kill count's getting lower. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Okay, so Sophia here had 42 confirmed kills, uh, 33 with the Glock 19, 10 with the Glock 34. The Sig, she had four kills, and the dogs killed three people, technically. So that is her counts there. Uh, doesn't have 
It has the accuracy, but it does it by the different weapons. So uh, the Glock 30. Yeah, they don't give her as much yeah, detail. Yeah, they didn't go as much. Job. So she had 100% accuracy with one gun, 94 with another, and 96 with another. So much higher accuracy than John Wick. Which is funny yeah. because she says she's out of shape and out of practice because she's just been managing the Continental, but yet she outperformed. Yeah. She out John Wick, John Wick. She holds herself pretty well in this movie. Yeah. So speaking of that, we're gonna we gotta get to what we thought. So let's start. Kyle's been abnormally <laughs> quiet, which is not a problem, it's Kyle. But I will not, I want to start with Kyle's thoughts. What did you think of the movie? And if you had to score it on the one two five scale, what would you score it? No, do I do one to ten? I say one to five. It seems weird, and Kyle's also muted, so one to ten. On <laughs> one to ten scale. <laughs> yeah, so one to ten sounds good. Uh, and I, you know, you all have been having a great conversation, so I just letting <laughs> that happen, which is fine. Uh, overall, I do like this movie. I like it a little less than the other John Wick movies, just because as we go on, I, this one I don't think is as bad as two, but like John Wick, like in two, kind of almost starts to become like a superhero. Yeah. Here you still kind of have that to a degree where like his jacket is just like stopping bullets and things. So we're starting to infringe on that territory, but this movie is much more like knife fighting, much more hand to hand. It kind of other than maybe the dog stuff, which probably still is realistic to a degree, yeah. um, you know, is pretty realistic. So overall I really enjoy it. The the only thing about this movie that I and this is kind of all of the John Wick movies, is the logic of the decisions made just don't always make sense. Like John Wick's reasoning for like the way he does things. And then it's like, kind of like Josh said, he's like, Oh, I'm going to go walk out in the desert. Sure. And then he gets out there <laughs> in the high table. like, yeah, we'll take you back. You just got to go kill the guy way back in New York. Cool. Okay. I guess I'll go all the way back to New York and do this thing. Like, wh- like why would they even say that was okay? Like, yeah. why would that ever be like, yeah, you can do this. Just gotta go kill. Why him. did he like, even know him? Like, let's be honest, all of the assassins, <laughs> why does the elder know him enough to be like, yep. Yeah. Go handle this again. Yeah, well, he's the Baba Yaga. Uh, and I do think that it is a little ridiculous because it does seem like everyone is an assassin. It seems like. And I mean, it just seems like, man, I'm in the wrong business. Um, but just the action scenes are so good and the fights are really good. And I do enjoy the fact that in this John, like Keanu was showing his age a little bit. He has slowed down a little bit. The fights are a little more dirty in the sense that there's not this like slickness mm-hmm. to that you often see like in marvel movies that have hand-to-hand like there is this like brooding like ruggedness to like these fights um and especially with like we talked about like the horse kicks are a real, little ridiculous but super brutal yeah. right oh, the yeah. knife to the eye like it, it this movie really kind of honed in on on these just like crunchy action scenes that i really enjoy so overall on a scale of one to ten, I'd probably give this like an eighty-five, an eight point five. Okay, nice, Kevin. What about yeah, you? Yeah, so I'll start with the number. I'm pretty much exactly where where Kyle is on it. Um, I think actually this might have been my least favorite John Wick movie, and it's not because of again the fighting, the choreography was is amazing. Like, and it, let's be honest, that's the best part of this movie anyway. It's like people that enjoy like the Saw franchise, they don't enjoy the Saw movies. They like seeing what the traps are because that's the coolest part of the movies. Um, John Wick's in the same way, and I'm I'm okay with that. I I take it for face value, so I don't you know knock points off for it. Um, but the reason it was like my least favorite, I think, is because as we talked about the plot, and I, as you said, like it's not a deep plot in these movies anyway. But this one actually seemed to have the least amount of story out of anything. 
like you never got like like Kyle talked about the choices. It's not even the choices. Like they don't even give you the reasons why you'd have to make the choices. Like for me, it's just very weird. Like you have all these new characters that were introduced without really much background other than John has a trinket or I knew you back in the day, so you owe me a favor. It it just seemed a little a little flat uh, there. Um, I also, and this is just me, I have a really, really hard time getting past Zero only because of Iron Chef. And I know it's like most people do, like, I just can't take him serious as a villain. Like, I, I can't. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I, I never have been able to in all this stuff. But he's a phenomenal uh, martial artist for sure. Um, the cast, though, in these movies, which is funny because of the small budget, relatively speaking, for movies, is a great cast. All of the character actors are so... Yeah good like i enjoy karen every time you see him i enjoy lawrence fishburne even though he's not in it a lot like his his scenes like he just chews up the scenery it is so good every time you see him and i think you know given what we saw we're gonna see a lot of him in in the next one um they're all just so good and i think that's that's what still appeals to this um i just kind of want a little more story but you're right with john with air quotes slowing down i don't know what's going to happen as far as that because it based on what happened, like, let's be honest, that last fall he had, he, his back completely bent on a fire escape. He should not even be able to walk, <laughs> let alone be alive. Um, yeah. But, you know, I get it. He's in, he's invincible. He's a superhero, basically. So I, I understand that. But, like, I would expect his next movie, like, he should be moving even slower. Like, despite his rage will be at an all-time high, his physicality has to go down. Um I also find it weird too. Uh, a point about the bulletproof suit, as you mentioned earlier, why is it it can take bullets but it can't deflect like knives? He got stabbed a lot. <laughs> I feel like a knife <laughs> it shouldn't stabbed. be able to. It would bounce off, but I don't know. Whatever. Um, but yeah, overall, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad I've watched all these movies. I'm glad you guys, you know, looped me into these. I'm having a blast with them. But but yeah, I think this one was probably my least favorite, just because of. I'm missing the story. I want a little story. I understand it's an action movie, but I want a little of it to make a little more sense or a little more background. Okay, cool. So you're at you eight point five. You're that's where you're at. With yeah, I, I, like, I'm still not dinging it much for you know. Still an eighty five is still really good. Um, but yeah, yeah, those are just my complaints okay. about it. But overall, I love it. Cool, cool. All right, so I'm at a, I'm at an eight. I'm at an eight, but I'm actually not as down on it as you guys, which is kind of weird with the ratings. But um, I think. This this John Wick three is my Iron Man three, uh, or my Batman the Dark Knight. I think it's intentional that we are seeing John Wick slow to recover. We don't even know his state at the end yeah, of this movie. Yeah. We just know that he was he was able to raise his hand. Um, I think that they're doing a good job with that. They're showing that he isn't the is superhero. I mean, he definitely has a lot of superhero ask like feats in this film but i think it could just be like strummed up to luck like he is lucky to get out of that situation i like uh like i always think about going back to the to batman dark knight rises where where like alfred's like like bruce your back is like broken four times yeah. over your discs are separated you can't keep doing this and i and i really feel like this is where we're going with john wick um, and I like that they're making him like, we know him as like this crazy accurate assassin who has moments of what we would imagine to be superhuman abilities, but really, is it just that, or is it just superior training? And now we see him older 
and we've experienced all of his um, uh, tough um, things he's gone through. Like it's been very rough on him and his body. And I think even John Wick 2, he was even worse for wear um, from one. Yep. And he's just progressively getting worse. So I really feel like we're about to culminate on the, the John Wick saga because he can't keep doing this. But I do appreciate that about that. But um, I don't know if it's my least favorite of the three. I think I like it as much as I like two. Like, I really, really, really like the first John Wick yes. movie. Um, I think this is on par for two with me. Um, because I think maybe mostly because of the addition of Halle Berry. She's so good in this movie. And it, it could have been a different actress. I don't know that they could have done what she did. Because she, yeah. like, maybe they could have. But, like, she really... Um, set out to be as good as Keanu. And I think she succeeded in that. I think that she put in the work. I mean, she did six months of dog training. Yeah. That's not even including the gun training course, she had to do. The martial arts so training. How many months yeah. did she have to do for yeah. that? Yeah. So, like, she really went out too. And then I know she just did that, like, Taken movie that I didn't see, but she did her own, like, Taken film, which she probably was also badass in that. So, I really appreciate. Um, how much work she put into this movie because they didn't have to make her um, that great. Like they could have just made her a good um, supporting character right. without doing as much. As yeah. She, she did. definitely needed need to go. Um, as hard I really enjoyed it. She did. Yeah. So I thought it was great. So we're all, we're all just about, we're actually all under the audience and critics scores, but we're just, sure. we're just right around that same yeah. score. Um, so yeah. So that's, that's our episode of dollar cinema on John Wick three. Uh, obviously, Kevin will be back for John Wick Four whenever that happens. Twenty twenty three happening. <laughs> yeah, um, it was originally supposed to come out this year, but you know, it's supposed to come out next month, um, and it's it's now a, a year out. Yeah, next yeah. month. Yeah, but that's okay. Um, so thank first of all, thank you, Kevin, for joining us again. Thank you guys. Uh, we love having you, uh, and thanks for for uh, uh, for watching these movies, and thank you everyone who's listening for joining us on this cinematic adventure we're so happy to do this for you every month and speaking of that kyle can you please tell all of our listeners what is coming next month for them absolutely so we're getting our cinephile hats back on next month uh and we will be watching the green knight um and joining us of course whenever we get into these film talks uh, another, none other than Mr. Lucas Rose will be joining us. So that's the Green Knights. None other than Lucas Rose. So I just want to point out, that. we bring in artsy films <laughs> yes. and Lucas is on and Kevin gets Fast and the Furious yeah. and John Wick. <laughs> you love I do. It. I do. I can't even <laughs> pretend I don't. <laughs> that is okay. And and uh, I will say this, uh, Lucas, it looks like we uh, we reached out to Lucas to see if he wanted to kind of become our unofficial, official third uh, host of Dollar Cinema, and and Lucas has agreed. So whenever Lucas can Yay. make it, uh, people can expect Lucas uh, to join us, and that is not ruling out other guests. So there will be some months where you will be blessed with four guests on our show, but uh, we're very excited to have uh, Lucas Rose join us. Nice. 
um, in our threesome of Dollar Cinema. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. So thank you very much, everyone, uh, again. And we will talk to you next month. Yeah.